Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that we can gather in your name. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we um, listen to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, our hearts may be warmed, encouraged, corrected, uh, rebuked even, Lord, and ultimately trained to trust you more than anyone else. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Just want to quickly say thank you for everyone uh, for the AGM. It was great. There was some really good frustration and discussion, like it should be in a family. Um, And I have uh, been thinking quite good and hard about it, so uh, expect some interesting things to come your way as a family. We will, um, we shall speak again. (laughs) All right. It was really good. Thank you for your efforts, for your prayers, for your concerns. Um, A family is fantastic because we are all working together to try and uh, figure out exactly how we can uh, testify more and more to the Lord Jesus Christ. So good for that. All right, we are in our third sermon uh, little series looking at the the whole idea of stewardship. Um, uh, And so at the top of your outline, uh, you will recognize that we are dealing with the whole issue of uh, accountability uh, this morning. Uh, Great quote, isn't it? Anyone holding themselves accountable to nobody ought not to be trusted by anybody. Good quote, isn't it? Amen. Who's, 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 who's up for that? Yes. Huh? I mean, you think we should, you should all put it in your WhatsApp accounts and just send it to the government? Just send it out there. Get everybody to realize that. You like that idea? You like the idea to be accountable? Ha! Ah. You like the idea that others are accountable, isn't it? You're not so happy about the idea that you may be accountable. I take it we've got a love-hate relationship with accountability judgment. Um, It's very important. If somebody does not want to be accountable, then you cannot trust them. Absolutely true. Um, We want to be judged. Did you know that? Did you know that you wanted to be judged? Anyone who thinks they don't want to be judged... Do you know you crave judgment? Do you know that? None of us have enough capacity in ourselves to believe our own view of ourselves to carry us through life. We desperately want somebody to come alongside us and say, hey, you're doing a good job. This is good that you're doing, isn't it? We love judgment. We love to be told by others, you are doing a good job. We just don't like it that much when they are telling us you're not doing such a good job. Which obviously goes with it, isn't it? But that's the funny thing. Life does not make sense without judgment. Life has got no meaning, no purpose without judgment. Really weird. So we've got this love-hate relationship. We will love judgment in one sense because that means what we do matters. It matters what I do. And therefore it must be evaluated to see if it is good or bad. It's good. It's a good thing. But we would love to be judged the way we judge ourselves rather than judged by the truth. That we don't like so much. So that's why we find ourselves in this very awkward thing often when it comes to judgment and accountability. We are a bit schizophrenic, actually. Um, No, you you mustn't judge. You mustn't judge. But we're judging all the time. And you have to. But just judge righteously. 
So today we are coming to this whole idea as we're working our way through the stewardship thing. We we're going to zoom in on this thing. So in your outline there, it's a fairly long outline, so be, don't worry. We will try and uh, double uh, the time of our normal sermon. So you can relax, don't worry, I will be longer than, no, I'm joking. As I've said, because I'm using this as a kind of a springboard, I have to say more in the outline than I'm actually going to necessarily say in the talk. That is just for you to have reference, because we're not dealing with the text in its detail. Um, but we've started out with stewardship. Stewardship is a joy when you understand, as a Christian person, that everything belongs to God. Your time, past, present, and future, belongs to God. You living in the time He created. Your space belongs to God. Your length and your width and your depth. Now, some of us got more of those dimensions. Belongs to God. He made the space that you occupy and the space that you're living in. It is His. All your matter belongs to God. Your solids, your liquids, and your gases. They all belong to God. It's fascinating, isn't it? You are made of solids, liquids, and gases, and you have solids, liquids, and gases, and it's God's. Have you ever thought of it like that? To the level that you can know it, now this is important, because knowing it does not bring about change. When you know it, when you accept it, when you rejoice in it, when you embrace it, it will change your life. If you don't, if you know it, it will be frustrated. That's all it will be. So there's a development that we are talking about. So anyone here this last week kept on saying to God, thank you God, for everything is yours? Have you started to experience the joy of possessing all things but owning absolutely nothing? Because I belong to the God who owns everything, including me. Do you, do, you, do you know that in your heart? Well, keep going. Think through the reality that God owns every single thing. It's His. Second thing we looked at last week is the whole idea of responsibility. That is, what do I do with the stuff that God has given me? I'm responsible for how I do it. I'm supposed to work. I'm supposed to care. I'm supposed to share. And as God delegated the stuff to me, I am supposed to do that. Look at that lovely quote. I don't know who said it, but it's really good. How we do something is how we do everything. Wouldn't that be amazing? Because as Christians, whether you eat or drink, you should be doing it for the glory of God. How you do something is what God wants you to do everything for His glory. That's your responsibility. Great stuff, isn't it? And we looked at it last week. Again, knowing it will crush you. Understanding that this is a gift from God that you can accept and embrace will set your heart free. So knowledge by itself often leads to frustration, but actually believing it and understanding it and accepting it, embracing it and rejoicing in that reality sets your heart free. That's what we're after. We're after freedom in Christ. Because it is for freedom that Christ has come to set us free. Good news, isn't it? So, this morning, so the third element of, this, uh, of stewardship is what we would call the reality of accountability. So I've given you the definition here. Most of you know what accountability means. It means you've got to explain yourself 
to the person who's given you the responsibility in the first place. Responsibility can be shared. Accountability is yours. So you will be accountable. So as a human race, we share responsibility for the world. But you will be held accountable for how you did with God's world, whether you lived for His glory or not. Make sense? So... What we want to do this morning is we want to look at this whole idea. We're going to zoom in on the story, because the story's got all these elements in them, but we're going to zoom in this morning on the whole idea of accountability. So very quickly there, the certainty of accountability, all right? The one who has received the responsibility is also accountable to the one who gave it in the first place. So we love accountability in our country. We would love the government to be accountable to the voters. Good, we are accountable to some level to one another. A husband is accountable to his wife, a wife is accountable to the husband, the kids are accountable to the parents, and all of those things are fine. But ultimately, we're all accountable to God. And that's the accountability that we are going to tackle this morning. So I've given you a whole lot of verses there, and we're not going to get into all of them, but they all are saying the same thing. I just want you to see this. So in our story, in verse 19 of chapter 5 of Matthew, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So, it's going to happen. We don't know when, we don't know how long the time is going to be, but there is going to be a day when you have to give an account of what you did with what God has given you. It's going to happen. That's in the middle of the story. That is what the whole thing is really driving towards. There are just a whole host of other verses there that you can go and read. Uh, Matthew 12:36. I just wanted to do a Matthew one as well. Another one, but I tell you that everyone, that's everyone, will have to give account on the day of judgment. Everyone will give an account. Every human being made in the image of God will give an account. And there's a whole host of verses, and I'm not going to go through all of them. You can go and read them. And they are just representative of this reality, that you will give an account of yourself to the one who has given you life. You've got to drive home that thing. But now, are you, have you heard it? Have you acknowledged it? Are you glad about it? Are you embracing that? Is that good news to you? Is it good news to you? Life will not carry on indefinitely the way that it does right now. There will be a day where there will be an account. Imagine this is eternity and this will just keep on going. Imagine you're a Hindu. It just carries on forever. You come back, you suffer, you die. You come back, you suffer, you die. You come back, you suffer, you die. Really, that's that's bad news. Good news is there will be an end to this valley of tears. There will be an account. Good news. It's going to come. I want you to grab it, think it through, see where your heart goes, and take it to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing, first point. Second point, the standard of accounting. What will happen on that great day? Now we're going outside the story and we'll come back into the story, okay? So I just want to quickly give you the big picture of the Bible and then we'll come back to our story. It will be in righteousness, all right? It will be done rightly. Any one of you read after the party of, um, what's the guy's name again? 
Andrew Finstein. Andrew Finstein in his book, ANC MP was involved with uh, the ANC. He um, experienced the joy of a corrupt government trying to cover up corrupt arms deals. Uh, he was very, uh, seems like a very righteous young man, very concerned with doing the right thing. So he was trying to expose the corruption within the ANC. That's why it's called after the party. The party is now over, and now we have to do the real hard work of governing. He discovered that there was a lot of corruption. He started to make it known, and they kicked him out, threatened his life, and he's now living in England. And he wrote the book after the party. And then he says, but listen here, South Africans, don't get all hung up and all huffy-puffy about the new government. This is a universal problem. In all countries of the world, there is corruption galore. And so what we really need is we need someone to hold everybody accountable. Unfortunately, it didn't end with God, which is where he should have ended, but it's a good idea, isn't it? Somebody actually must do it, and they must do it righteously. They must look at all the facts and act based on that. Not just some, not just what has swayed me. And so if you look at it, in righteousness, Romans chapter 2 is a chapter that you need to read and spend a lot of time to understand the, the dynamics of this reality. And that means God does it without favoritism. God does not say, because you, my child, okay, I will judge you differently. He says, I judge everybody exactly at the same level. All right? That would be, the second point there, according to your works. According to what you have done. So if you flip your eye up, the third point on the page... Romans chapter 2, verse 5b to 6. The day of God's wrath, when the righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done. So the standard by which God judges on that day is according to what you've done with your life. All right? Now you've got to be careful. We're going to explain this because now you're you awake. Because you have to have your thinking caps on now. You have to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say now. All right? So when you read that, again and again, it says, according to your works, according to what you have done. All right? But don't misunderstand what he's saying. So the third point. Works is evidence of one's faithfulness to what one believed, knew, and had been given. All right? It is the evidence of what you have believed, what you knew, and what you have been entrusted with. All right, so that means, very important, next point, little dash, judgment is not based on the difference on a scale between good and bad. That is, it can't be earned or merited by having good things outweigh the bad things on the scale. So when God judges us according to what we've done, he doesn't say, okay, Ludwig, you've done so many good things and you've done so many bad things and let's hope the good weighs heavier than the bad. And on that basis, you will receive He's not saying that, right? Do you hear me? He is not saying that. It is not a scale where he hopes that your good deeds outweighs your bad deeds. All right? That's not what the judgment will be about. It is according to your work. All right? Behavior, what I do and say, is ultimately in accord with faith, knowledge, and gifts. Thus, works are the evidence of whether one trusted Jesus for salvation here and now. Salvation is always by faith in Jesus. Evaluation on the judgment is based on works, for it will show what you actually believed all along. That Jesus saved you, he is saving you, or he, and he will save you. 
Are you with me? Your work, what you do and say, is simply a reflection of what you believe. If you believe that you need salvation through Jesus Christ, then your behavior will express that in everything that you do and say. And so it will be, does, is there enough evidence to prove that you actually did believe? That's what the judgment day is all about. It won't determine whether you're saved or not. It will reveal whether you were saved or not. Do you hear? <laughs> Very difficult to do this thing, isn't it? You've got to, you've got to just hang on and r- realize what is going on. You are saved now through faith in Jesus Christ. You cannot outperform your bad deeds and hope that on that day God will say, Ah, shucks, I got it wrong. You were actually saved all along because you were a nice person. Nicer than bad. That's not what's going to happen. He is simply going to say, Your deeds is a proof of the fact that you did actually believe in the gospel and you behaved as someone who believes that I need salvation and that nothing is mine and that I'm accountable and that I'm responsible and I bring everything I have all along to Jesus and ask him to carry the weight of my failure, that would be the signs that you did believe it in the first place. Does it make sense? I know some of you are nodding off. Very, very critical to get this thing right. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. Evaluation is by, does the works of your life show that? It will simply confirm whether you were saved or not in the first place. It will not decide whether you were saved or not. Does it make sense? Now, if it doesn't make sense, we do have another meeting tonight that you want to come to. And if you don't come to anyone ever again, if you get this wrong, it will be terrible for you on the Day of Judgment. Do not get this point wrong. If you need to stop, if you want me to say, shut up, stop, just stop it right here, then I'll stop right here. Because it's vital that you get that distinction. It is according to what you've done. It will show, what you do shows what you believe. Now let's have a look at the story. We'll come back, maybe it will help. Because on that great day, the secrets of the human heart will be revealed. It's a very interesting thing. uh, uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse um, 16 says, On that day, the secrets of the heart will be revealed. So let's come back to the story. So here comes the first guy. He says, Lord, this is what you give me. This is what I have. Done with it. What he's done proves that he understood it was given to him. It was given to him by the master. He acknowledges that. And I've been responsible. And this is the behavior that shows that I have done this. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Second guy comes, Lord, you've given me these two talents, these two bags of gold, these 40 years of the laborer's wages. That's what the worth of it is. And he says, I've accepted it. I've done it. I've been responsible. And I come and give it back to you. Here's the evidence that I believe that in the first place. The master says, well done. Now look at the third guy. This gets really interesting. All right, you need to read it carefully. Verse 24, you with me? Then the man who had received one bag of gold, that is 20 years of laborer's wages, that's quite a lot of money. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. 
So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So, okay. Can you hear what the guy is saying? He's now standing before God, the master, whatever the story is. And he says, listen, I know you. You're a pretty hard dude. All right? And therefore, I was so scared. In my mind, I believe it. I was so scared of you that I'm going to hide what belongs to you so that I can give it back to you because I really don't want to end up in the wrong side of you. Now look carefully to what the master is saying to him in verse 26. The master replied, you're wicked. Why is he wicked? Because he's lazy. So why is, why is he being judged? Because he's lazy. That's weird. He thought he was going to be judged because he's lazy? His wickedness expressed itself in laziness. Now, carefully what is going on here. Look at what he says. So, Jesus says, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Okay? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have been received it back with interest. Did this man live in accordance with what he believed? Can you see that? His behavior was out of, out of sync, not according to what he believed the nature of the master was like. If he really believed the master is so harsh, then he would have said, shucks, I need to somehow find an unethical way to make money for this master. I should act in accord with what I believe the master has given me and who he is. Why is he judged? Why is he lazy? Because he did not live in accord with his own understanding of God, of the master. See how weird that is? I believe, Jesus, everything belongs to you. But my behavior says it all belongs to me. Then I am wicked. If I believe everything belongs to you, you are a harsh master, and you must somehow, you must, you dis, must have profit, then if I really believe that, I would do whatever it takes to get you profit. Because now I'm living in the light of what I believe you are to be like. Does it make sense, friends? You see, the heart believes stuff that the mind cannot understand. And on that day, God will show you what you actually believed, not what you think you believed. You saw, he thought this is an excuse for not acting right. Jesus reveals to him that he's wicked in his heart because he's not prepared to live in the light of what he claims he believes. His behavior is not accord with his beliefs. Does it make sense? It's a really interesting story. On that great judgment day, Jesus will say your behavior was the evidence of what you believe. And is it in line with what you believe? See the two questions? Fascinating story. So here's the question as we come to this thing. Now, next week, we're going to do, on that day, something else is going to happen. Rewards are going to be handed out. So we'll get to that next week. All right? Something else interesting is going to happen. So on the judgment day, will not determine whether you are saved. It will simply confirm or show 
whether you have been saved in the first place. You've got to really have saving faith in the first place. That's all it will do. But here's the wonderful thing. You can now know whether you believe and if your belief is in line with what you believe. Is your behavior in line with what you believe? That's why we are told up front, isn't it? We're actually being told up front. Jesus, this is a warning of what's coming. I'm telling you up front that I will on that day reveal what you actually believed, not what you can explain what you thought you believed, and whether your behavior is in line with that. That's why it will reveal the secrets of the human heart. Because there's one thing, as you now know, if you read the Bible, there's one thing more deceiving than anything else in the world, and that is your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. On that judgment day, what you really believe will be revealed, but it will be revealed through your behavior. Isn't that weird? It's great. That means I can now know. You see, so I can never do wrong believing in Jesus. Right? You got it? I can never have wrong, selfish, self-indulgent behavior and believe that is an expression of my belief in Jesus Christ. It could never happen. But yes, it is, it's really tricky. I can do something good and still not have faith in Jesus Christ. And on that day, that's going to be revealed. Why were you good in that context? Was it because of your faith in Jesus Christ or was it because you, it's about you? It's great stuff, isn't it? You know how you're starting to wrestle with your heart. Lord, gee, what is my heart like? Where is my heart? Lord Jesus, all the stuff you've given me, all the gifts you've given me, all the opportunities you've given me, am I living it by faith in Jesus Christ, using those opportunities for you, or am I doing it for me? On that day, Jesus says, I'm going to reveal to you why you did it actually. Because you may actually not know yourself currently. So the good news is, Go to Jesus. He is the only one who can convince you why you are doing what you are doing. That's the good news. That's why he's come. He's come for many reasons, but that's the main reason that we are picking up this morning. The good you do, why are you doing good? Is it because it's a reflection of the joy and the faith that you have in Jesus Christ? Was because you're scared somebody's going to look funny at you, reject you, going to be good. Jesus, I'm going to reveal it to you that day. It'll be very simple. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ now, and the judgment day will reveal it. That's what he's after. So let's quickly wrap it up. There's uh, three important little things that we can remember. So the question here then is, how faithful am I living out, in word and deed, what I know and believe and have been entrusted with, or what I claim I know and believe and have been entrusted with? That's a question you have to settle between you and God. And it's a question that we should help one another to discover. That's why we're a body and we are called mirrors and letters and all sorts of funny things in the Bible. So we can mirror for one another because we can deceive ourselves. A bit more difficult to deceive somebody else. Accountability means everything I do and say matters and has eternal value. God will judge. It either expresses the fact that I believe in the grace and truth of Jesus Christ our Lord or that I believe in something or someone else. 
This is probably the most difficult reality for those who claim to be Christians to actually accept. Every single thing you think and say and do is either a reflection of faith in Jesus Christ or it's a reflection of faith in someone or something else. And on the day of judgment, that will be revealed. Now you've got to (laughs) let this weight grab you. So here's the reality. I'm either contaminating God's kingdom by not believing and obeying Jesus Christ in everything I do and say, or I am contributing to God's kingdom by repenting, believing, and obeying Jesus Christ in everything that I do and say. The day of judgment will reveal that. Either I'm contributing or I'm contaminating. It will show it up. It will become crystal clear to you and to God and to everybody else, what was going on in your life. That's what the Day of Judgment will reveal. It doesn't determine anything in that sense. It doesn't bring it to bite. It actually simply confirms it. So here's the good news. Turn over. 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I want you to encourage you. Maybe we'll have more time discussing this tonight. Just look how brilliant this is. I want you to read it very carefully because it's one of those trustworthy things. This is one of those, he says, this is a thing that you've got to carry around with you. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Can you see the connections? The first two lines are positive lines. By faith, if you know that every single thought, every single behavior that has not been born out of faith in Jesus Christ needs death to be repaid for, you say, thank you, Jesus, you have died, and I have died with you. I have acknowledged that, that that is what is required. This is exceptional good news. Every inclination of my heart that was not born out of faith, Jesus, you died for it. I agree that you have died for it. I have died with you. The result? Now I will live with you. See how amazing that is? That, guys, that's good news. Do you hear the wonder of the good news of the gospel? Every time your heart is trying to do something, you say, I know that if I don't do this by faith in Jesus Christ, I am contaminating God's kingdom. But I agree the only way to deal with it is Christ died for now. I have died with him, and therefore I will live with him. If I endure in this process, I will not only live with him, I will reign with him. Because Christ reigns over all sin, because he did everything for the glory of the Father, never for himself. So you will reign as you grow in the gospel. There's the good news. The good news always stands with the bad news. Next two lines. If we disown him, he will disown us. If you reject him, he will reject you. If you are not faithful 
God will be faithful and He will reject you. He can never be unfaithful to Himself. He can never be like us. That's good news again. Those are the two realities, isn't it, that we are sitting here this morning with. The reality is if you die with Him, you'll live with Him. If you endure with Him, you will reign with Him. If you disown Him, which is what the whole 2 Timothy is all about, if you want to go and read it, of the many, 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 many who lived and worked with Paul who turned away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the context. And Paul says, here is the reality. Tim, my brother, die with Christ, you may live with Him. Endure with Christ, that you may reign with Him. Do not be faithless, because God will be faithful and He will disown you. Come to Christ. Be in Christ. Walk with Christ. Believe in Christ. And help other Christians to think it through. Isn't that why we're here this morning? JJ said that we are all, you're all now at over tea to go and tell JJ what I've just said in the sermon. Help one another to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he is the one who died so that we may live. That is the incredible gospel. And then there's a quote from C.S. Lewis. You can go and read that for yourself and by yourself. But isn't this just unbelievable, friends? You can know now how God will judge on the judgment day. You have a choice to make today. Will you come to Christ and ask him to be your savior and to cleanse you out from all the confused and selfish reasons why you live? And please, Jesus, keep on going, because I'm not there yet. That's good news. And I know that you are the one who has conquered it all. And therefore, on that day, I will be known by you that I'm yours. That will be good. That will be great. So let us ask God to help us to rejoice in being accountable. Do we rejoice in being judged? We now know the gospel. We've heard it in the context of judgment. Let's ask him to help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can ask you and that we can bring ourselves before you. Lord, Help us to know and understand more and more how much we need Jesus Christ. For our own hearts are so deceitful, we will congratulate ourselves when it's not wise. Or we will condemn ourselves when it's not wise. We thank you that our hearts and everything we do belongs to you. And so we ask you, who is the owner of everything, including our hearts, and our motives, and our desires, and our stuff, to help us to figure out how we think about ourselves, and our stuff, and our behaviors, and our motives, so that you may bring salvation to us. Thank you for the good news. Thank you that we will not be caught out on that last day. Thank you that today we've heard it. Thank you that we can actually take this Thank you that we can think it through. Thank you that we can go and share it with others. The glory that Jesus Christ has come into this world to save us from our failure, to know and love and honor and glorify God as God. 
and that He will bring about in us a joy and a newness of life that will increasingly rejoice in recognizing that all things are yours and all things belong to you and to you we will give an account and on that great day everything we've done will be seen for what they actually were all about. Was it about you or not? So here we are, Lord. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the incredible good news that Christ is Lord over everything. And we pray this in your name. Amen.